Before we get started with this week's episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, I'd like to point you in the direction of the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. For match day edits, polls, competitions, and more, be sure to check out We Are Southampton on Instagram. Matt, who runs the page, has been a huge help to this show. He did the artwork. He's been a guest. I couldn't do it without him. So head on over to Instagram and check out We Are Southampton. And now, here's the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. My name is Matt Markson. I'm the host of the show, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. I hope that you enjoyed your international break, whether you made it out to some non-league football, whether you took some time with your family, whether you went out and saw maybe the Southampton Women's Football Club play, uh, whatever it is that you did, uh, I hope that you were well. I am still recovering from my sickness. It's been over a week now. It's quite annoying, uh, but that did not stop me from enjoying my break. Um... If you follow my Instagram feed, I apologize for anything that you may have seen on the story there, Uh, whether it was um, people exiting moving vehicles, uh, me ruining family photos, uh, whatever you saw, good luck on seeing it, and I hope that you had as much fun as I did. Um, Yesterday was not as much fun for me, however. So uh, anyway, besides all that, uh, I really did have a good break. I really did get to spend some time with my family. It was was great. Um, But I also made sure that we talked with some guests that would make this week's show Um, worth listening to, even though there wasn't a Saints game going on. So this week we spoke with three different guests. We spoke with Mr. James George on Twitter. You just, his name is James George, but he's Mr. Mr. James George on Twitter and he co-hosts the Saints fans podcast. So we talked about uh, the same thing that I normally talk about with guests, everything from being a Saints fan early on in his life to being a season ticket holder. Uh, and then he made the move over to the United States. So we talked about that. We talked about moving his family over here, what that's like, uh, starting the podcast, all that stuff. So, uh, we'll get into that stuff with James George, and then we'll finish off, uh, with two other interviews, a short one with James Nash, who runs a new podcast, a new general football podcast. And I'll talk more about that after my interview with James George. Uh, and then finally we'll wrap it up with Alex Pacchetti, who runs the Exile Geordies podcast. Uh, he's one of the co-hosts of that. And, uh, with him, we'll talk about what's going on with Newcastle and we'll preview, uh, the match coming up. We don't normally do that on this show, but given that we didn't have a match this week, I figured it was a good chance to, uh, to get to do that and talk with Alex. So that is what this week's show has for you. Uh, because we have three interviews, it can be a little lengthy. So in order to keep it down, I'm going to get right to it. So let's go ahead and go straight to my interview with James George. We spoke last Friday. I really enjoyed it. And, uh, I think, I think you will too. So here's my interview with James George. You can find him on Twitter at Mr. James George, and you can follow his podcast at Saints Fans Pod. All right, here it is. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, James George. You can find him on Twitter at Mr. James George and at Saints Fans Pod. And um, just first of all, welcome to the show and thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm very excited to be on it. Yeah, it, I think this will be this will be good. I'm uh, we've been kind of talking about it for a little bit, and it'll be it'll be good. Um, what I wanted to do is I want to talk to you, you a little bit about you because uh, that's normally kind of how my show starts um, or the show starts, however you want to say it. But and and I think that there you know we have a podcast that's on the same thing, um, but I feel like we have a different set of uh, listeners, and so hopefully this will be uh, a way for everybody to kind of get to know each other a little bit, and then you know hopefully we'll we'll do this again later on in the year or down down the road a little bit, and I think it'll be good. Uh, and you have just come from the UK to to America. We don't actually live that far apart, um, so this I think this would be. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm I'm excited to do this, and I and I hope you are too. Yeah, I definitely am. So I, I guess just start like let's start with just you being a Saints fan. Like when when did that start? Did you grow up in the Southampton area? So I grew up in a place uh, called Salisbury, which for Americans I always have to say to them, "Do you know Stonehenge?" And every American knows Stonehenge. And I said, "Right, it's right next door to Stonehenge." It's about half an hour away from Southampton, and growing up, there weren't actually that many Saints fans. I think there was anyone really who supported Southampton at my school. Now, you get quite a lot of Southampton fans, but back then, everyone supported Liverpool or Man United. No one supported Chelsea, no one supported Arsenal, it was Liverpool and Man United. So when I first started school, my best friend supported 
Man United. I think I supported Liverpool when I first went to school. Then I supported Man United. And then when I was about six or seven, my dad took me to my first Southampton game. It was against Sheffield Wednesday. I think we lost 2-1. And ever since that day, I was a Saints fan. I don't know if you've ever watched the film Fever Pitch or read the book, but is that there's that moment when he goes to his first Arsenal game. Uh-huh. And that was it. He was an Arsenal fan after that. That was me. I, I was a Saints fan after that. Uh, my dad took me to a few games and then my granddad actually got two season tickets, one for me and one for my step-uncle who was just only a few years older than me. And I would probably go to three quarters of the home games through the year and just absolutely loved it. There was one period when I said to my dad, I can't support Southampton anymore. My favourite player was Alan Shearer. He's gone to Blackburn. Quite like Jeff Kenner. And now my, my favourite player is Tim Flowers. He's just gone to Blackburn. So I said, look, I'm going to support Blackburn, Dad. <laughs> He's like, no, 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 no. I, knowing full well that these players aren't going to necessarily stay there forever. Right. And they'll at some point retire. There's no point. You can't your clubs just on your favourite player. You've got to stay for your team. Yeah, and he said to me, "Why, why don't you support both?" So, about, probably about two years, I supported both Southampton and Blackburn, and I still remember when Blackburn came to the Dell. I didn't know who to support, and I thought I want Blackburn to win because they were going to possibly win the league. And I still remember during the game, I just couldn't force myself to want Southampton to lose. So there was that testing time when I was a kid, which probably a lot of people have gone through now. These youngsters. Uh huh. They're going through it now, what I went back through in the 90s. And I, yeah, never never looked back. And unfortunately, I've supported Southampton all my life through the good times and the bad. And let's face it, it mainly, mainly be bad. But <laughs> even during the bad times, even during the bad times, I, that you got the best times through our bad times, staying up on last day of the season. Obviously, you're a new Saints fan. But the 1990s was an incredible time supporting our football club. And then the other best time was just before you started supporting us was when we jumped from equal one up to the Premier League. That was just an incredible time. And for me, the 1990s was incredible. Then we had a really rubbish few years in the championship. And then once we got taken over by Marcus in League One, it's been a really exciting journey up until now where it's boring. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's there's been a definite difference between, you know, the Pochettino, Kuman kind of playing style even and, and then what we've seen the last year. And then even going into this year, there hasn't really been a huge kind of tactical shift. Obviously you moved to, to America relatively recently. Um, but, but before that you, you've done some things and just kind of listening to your show and listening to you, uh, kind of talk, like I, I picked up that you play football, you were on some reality TV, you did talk sport. Uh, so in terms of football, where, what position did you play? I imagine you're, are you a striker or what, what, what position? Did no, you play? I, I wasn't technically the best footballer i just probably made the best of my limited ability i played i played at centre back when i played at a decent standard i played at centre back if you when i played sunday league and i could play any position but when i actually uh played to an okay standard i, I was the centre back I, I, I was i was good at heading the ball and reading the game as opposed to being technically that great uh right footed or left footed right footed right footed and best attribute you would say than reading the game probably yeah definitely it was uh, i wasn't slow but I felt I felt as though I probably personally, if I was more consistent, I could have played at a much higher level. But was awful. The best player on the pitch one game, or the worst player the next. Okay. And my problem was is if I if I didn't have a good game and got dropped or something like that, being a centre back, it would be difficult to get back into the side if you got injured. And, and because I wasn't really consistent, that's probably my my main downfall. I never progressed any further. You still play now that you're here? I know San Diego's got a lot of pickup games and things going on. I wish I could. One of the funny things is, is the reason why I got a season ticket at Southampton was, I was back to 2008, 2009 time, is I was playing in a cup final and I snapped my knee. Oh. I snapped my ACL, my knee, and I haven't really played since. So oh. that was that was the end. Oh, that's I'm sorry, that sucks. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it wasn't very good. And unfortunately, I had a, I had a painful... I wasn't um, playing for a Premier League football club. So what normally might take six to nine months to come back, I had a year and a half of the NHS telling me that there was nothing wrong with my knee. Right. And at one point they told me that it was in my head. 
and I was moaning and moaning and moaning and uh, they eventually operated on me. I got woken up and the same guy he told me that it was in my head told me that I've snapped my ACL. Yeah. So it took three years for me to get from the point of snapping it to being able to actually get through the rehab. So oh, man. that was annoying. Oh man, that, that would, that would kill me. Cause that, that's one of the things I am, I'm super active. Like I, I have to be active. Like I've been sick this last week and I can't exercise and it just like, I get angry and upset and it just makes yeah. me mad. But like, it, I, it was a tough time. But the, the, the reason why I didn't play soccer anymore is I possibly could, I don't think I could play to the standard I was, but I took up tennis afterwards. Okay. Uh, I wanted to just take up a non-contact sport and I got, you know, I'm reasonably good at tennis now. So I play mainly tennis. I do the old triathlon. So I'm still very active, extremely uh, yeah. active. It's just I didn't want to. I didn't want to snap my knee again. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever play against anybody who who is uh, wound up playing at, at a at a really high level at a, in, the, in that that any, some of the listeners might know? <laughs> no. Do you know what? A lot of a lot of the people that I played with had a lot. Of, God, the amount of stories that people had. I had someone who. Uh, I think his name was Robbie Carter. He played at Leighton Orient. He played three games for their first team, but he just kept not turning up to training. And one week he didn't turn up for a match and he couldn't get inside. And then even when he was playing for, for uh, I think it was Wolfenstow, and I was playing at Wolfenstow with him. Uh, and then he went on to Barking when I was at Barking as well. And he often wouldn't turn up for training during the week and would be on the bench on the game on the Saturday. So, and then I played a lot of people that, I remember there was one guy who, played had a few caps of Kenya and apparently Harry Redknapp tried to sign him when he was at West Ham and it was all agreed but they couldn't get the work permit okay and so he never really made it so I played a lot of people that almost made it who were up clubs but didn't quite the best player that I've ever played against was actually when uh, after I was on shipwrecked I um, got to play in a couple of celebrity football tournaments and one was at West Ham Stadium one was at Highbury and the one at West Ham, we played against uh, Steve Sled- uh, Sedgley, who played for Tottenham. Okay. And he must have been, and maybe in his mid mid to late 40s at the time, and I just couldn't get the ball off him. He was just incredible. And that's the first time I think I played against someone who had played at a really high level. And, yeah, you can, you can see the difference there. Yeah, yeah. His control, knowing where everyone was on the pitch, even just in a small game, he was, he, he was really good. Yeah, okay. So... At what point did you wind up on Shipwrecked? And this was this like during the height of all the reality TV stuff was when when all that was going on? No, it was it, it was it was one of the the early ones. It was before it. It was at the height of it. I probably wouldn't be talking to you now, and I might actually <laughs> be a somebody. Um, no, it was a funny thing. Was is it was before Twitter and before Facebook, and it was, it was an amazing experience. Just being on the show was incredible. I was on four months on a desert island. I came off it, and the funny thing is everybody knew who you were you couldn't walk down the street without having to do photos and yeah it was an incredible experience and i really enjoyed it and for about a year i was just somebody and then literally a year later the new one comes out and you're forgotten about i remember the funny thing is is myspace came out when it was on the show okay when i was on the show and i remember getting like two thousand people adding me in one day it was just <laughs> a really weird experience and if Twitter was around now, I'd probably have 50,000 people at least following me on that. And yeah, yeah. Probably would have had a career off the back of it. But it was it was just before that time. Okay. All right. So I just missed out on all that, unfortunately, which, which would have probably helped me trying to make the career, which I was, which I always wanted to be a presenter, a radio presenter. Okay. And unfortunately, I, I didn't. The industry crashed as I was trying to make it as a presenter. Back in the day when you were a radio presenter in the UK, if you were, went to a radio show, they'd say, okay, we'll stick you one on the one o'clock show. Chris Moles, who I don't know if you probably know who he is, but he was like the biggest radio presenter for me growing up. And they would stick, when he started, he got stuck on the, the graveyard shift one in the morning, and then you would do a good job on that, and then you'd get the four in the morning, and you'd just work your way up. Well, when I went into radio, radio industry completely crashed, and they networked the whole country. So wherever there was 50 different radio stations, presenters on a hundred different radio stations they decided to have one radio presenter do the show for 50 radio stations right and so there was just no jobs anymore there was no money in it i remember get offered a job for fifteen thousand a year and i was just like i i can't do that i can't live my life earning no which 
and not, not especially probably, not, you know, not as hard as you're gonna probably listen to thinking that's an okay wage but that's that's not, i went to you know i went to university i was hoping to achieve a lot of my life so for me it was this industry is not a good thing and so yeah that was that was it see like now i i look at you know i listen to some of the mainstream uh soccer podcasts just because of the way we were talking before we started recording like i i have this kind of like i, I still i have a lot to learn about the game and i want to know and and, and learn and stuff like that so i listen but I, I look at kind of what these guys do you know and it's like you're on this podcast you do this podcast you present on this radio show you write these articles you do this match report you do and it's like you look at all of that stuff and then you look and you're like man there are very few people like they're working their asses off and you know they're not, they're not they're not making just just gobs of money you know this is not uh no it's, it's not an industry where you make lots of money i remember when i worked at talk sport uh, which is the biggest radio station in the uk if not the biggest sports radio station in the world and the main presenters the top ones uh, they make really good money even a decent presenter presenting on a sunday morning they were they're only getting say 300 pound for a shift and if you think that quite often if you're a former football player you don't do that much it's very hard to get make a living coaching because there's so many former players and they might do the old presenting a show here and there but when you think of the money that they were earning before and then they're having to you know scrape the odd 300 pound here and there 300 pound for a couple of hours work to most people would be an amazing amount of money but when you've lived the life that they have that is going to struggle to pay the mortgage. Right. I, I sometimes I struggle because I, I teach high school and some of the kids that I work with, they want to be journalists and we, we work on that stuff. And I look at, I'm like, am I, am I pushing you into a career or down a career path that is just going to lead to you working really hard and, and not really being able to, to provide a, a, a decent, a, a maybe an above average living for yourself. And then I argue with myself and say, like, if this is what they want to do, if this is what they're passionate about, like support them to go do it. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I worry about that. And hearing your story doesn't doesn't really make me feel all that much better. <laughs> no, journalists. I'm, I did a journalism degree, so I've got a lot of friends who went in and did journalism. And it's not that whole field. You're never going to really earn much money, and it's not something which. It's a, but it's a, it's a good fun job. If you, everyone who listens to radio commentators and people, and they read articles, and they think that's a really good job. I get to go around watch my. You know, go and watch football, and it is it is a good job. But don't get me wrong; they're not earning a lot of money from it. Right. But it's a career where you're doing something where you enjoy going to work, and you've got to have at least one of those two things in life. You've either got to get paid well so that you can enjoy your life, work, or make sure you Because if you don't those two things, then you'll struggle to enjoy your life. Yeah, absolutely. It, it kind of got a little muddled in there, but I think you make a really good point that you have to have, you know, at least one of those two things. You either have to get paid or you have to, you know, you have to really enjoy what you're doing. And I think for me, I think that's a, that's a struggle that I, that I face. Am I doing what I really want to do? Am I doing it for the money? And, you know, I think everybody just has to make that decision kind of what's more important to them. And if you can find something where you're getting both, then, then more power to you. That's, that's the dream job, whatever, whatever that job is. Yeah, exactly. If you can earn a lot of money and enjoy going to work, then that is the dream job, which is why so many people want to become footballers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, since since you've moved out here, I, I guess what, what's the biggest what's been the biggest change for you and your family moving from the UK to to the West Coast of, of the United States? The, the biggest change is, is the weather and being able to live your life outside. Whereas before it was what we're going to do at the weekend. Now it's trying to choose what to do because there's so many options. You've got we've, we've got a pool uh, in our community, we've got the beach, and there's so many options to go to. And when I used to come home before, it was really difficult for me to do anything with my daughter when it was raining outside and it was boring and it's like watch TV. Whereas now, as soon as I get home, it's let's go to the pool. Yeah, yeah. I guess I never realized the advantage that I had. I, I just know everybody makes jokes about California being great and sunny and all that stuff. But then I went up north, uh, almost to the Oregon border to go to school, and it rained. You get as much average rainfall as as, as like Atlanta, Georgia, so it just rains constantly. It rained for the first every day for the first three months I was there, and I just never experienced that before. And I was like, this is a huge difference between what I'm used to, where it's 
70, 75 every day and just, you know, 50 and, and raining. And I can't imagine what it's like, you know, being in, yeah. in England where it's even worse or more rain. I won't say worse, but more rain. <laughs> yeah. Um, do, do you miss anything? Yeah, about it's, the- it's just a much better. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I was going to say, do you, do you miss anything about the UK? Is there one thing that kind of stands out that you, you wish, man, I, re- I wish I really had that here? My football club. That, that is mainly what I miss. Don't get me wrong. Friends and family is always going to be something that you miss. But already the friends that we've got here, my friends were scattered all over the UK, so I didn't get to see them as much as I wanted. Here, I'm already making lots of friends within my community. But my football club, whilst I can watch it on a Saturday, which is absolutely fantastic that you can watch it on the TV here, going every week. And I did. I used to go every home game, and I'd go to 10 to 15 away games every year. And so that's by far the biggest thing for me. Missing, I really, I miss going to watch Southampton, even when we're awful. I miss it. Yeah. Um. Did your wife used to go with you before the kids and all that? Do you know what? She has been to quite a few games actually. She's um. She didn't really the home ones. Found them boring. She liked the away ones when we'd have a beer. And should we actually go to a lot of England games as well? We used to go okay. to a lot of England away games. We actually even got married at the South Africa World Cup in 2010. And that's the last England game I ever went to was England Germany, and I said I'd never go to an England game again. I just I've given up on England after that. But yeah, I mean, she she's been to a few games with me. She doesn't really like watching it on TV, but she does like the atmosphere live. Okay, yeah. Um, and have you been to see any games since you've been here? Have you seen any professional soccer games here? No, I got contacted by LAFC because they're getting a new team. Trying to get they were trying to get me to get tickets for them, and I was very. I do like the idea that a new team and supporting something from the ground up. And so I am very interested in getting behind them next year. But time is limited when you've got a family and you run a business and you do a podcast. Yeah. And so I only get to watch a certain amount of sport now, like my days when I went watch it 24-7. So for me, I've really got to pick and choose. So for me, it's watch a Premier League game or watch an MLS game. I'm going to choose the Premier League game every day. But hopefully I can start supporting LAFC and it'd be nice if they could get some decent recognized players into the MLS. It does, I think it does make a difference. They've already got a few, but if they could really push on and, and start getting some really big names, that would be really exciting. Yeah, I think I think LAFC will be interesting. The, the one thing that I've, I think I've learned about LA teams in general is that you have a finite amount of time to win before LA stops caring because LA is busy and you got to compete with a lot of different things. And so hopefully they will, they know that, you know, the, the owners and everything are there and they will do what's necessary to kind of get to the forefront, to get into the playoffs and, and go deep in the playoffs. And that will attract people and keep people around. Otherwise uh, a few years will go by and they'll, they'll be, they need them. They need a marquee signing. They need yeah. to keep it back is, is what they need. And I think, said it. I know someone who knows someone, you know, how everyone does. And he said that their aim is to get Renato but that's obviously probably a bit too ambitious. They do get a big name. It'll get people to go and watch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it'll be, it'll be interesting. And I'm, I'm kind of happy because I, my MLS team, my, my MLB team and all that stuff, they're all in Houston. So I only get to watch them when they come to San Jose or when they come to Oakland or LA. So the more teams that are over here, the more chances I can go see them. And that's, you know, that's, that's really what I want is I want to go see my team. doesn't matter, you know, where it's at, but, uh, I can say that, that having been to quite a few MLS games, uh, and then just watching the premier league games, there's a, I mean, the golf and class quality is, is not even, it's not even, uh, worth talking about. It's just so large. So. Yes. But at the same time, supporting a team is, it's not really all the time about the football. It's about supporting a team that You've got 11 players giving in it all and you've got loads of fans all wanting exactly the same thing and having that passion there. I loved it when we were in League One. So standard of football isn't for me necessarily the big thing. I actually preferred going to watch us in League One than what I do watching Saints at the moment. So for me, the MLS doesn't need necessarily to be the best football, but what it does need to have is really passionate fans. And I don't, I think some of the clubs have got it here, but it, there isn't that passion like there is in the Premier League because there isn't that passion I feel when I go and watch, I watched an NFL game there, for example. The atmosphere in things is different and they, they need to bring the Premier League atmosphere into MLS games as opposed to the normal way of supporting the side in America, which is just 
not as passionate as the working class football supporters that we have in England. I, I think that's a re- that, 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 I think that's a really good point. Um, you have a lot of people who show up to a game once or twice a year because their mom gave them tickets or somebody bought them tickets or whatever it is. You know, uh, the jersey's always shiny and new, and then it gets hung up, and they don't wear it again for another year. Um, it's a bit like me supporting the American teams at the moment. Essentially, I go along, I enjoy it, and that's my one game for the year, and I call myself a fan. And that's probably what, as you say, a lot of the MLS I like, as opposed to the Premier League, where your dad supported them, your granddad supported them, you brought up there. I think you're right with that. I think I think there are a lot of fans who call themselves fans who maybe aren't as as entrenched in the day to day kind of ongoings of their club. And I can say that when I watch my MLS team, when I watch the Houston Dynamo, it's harder to watch and pay attention to them than it is to to Saints. Uh, the TV coverage isn't as good here in the United States for the MLS teams. Um, it's easier to watch Premier League games. It's actually easier to find news. And maybe it's just because the, the, that's the the Twitter circle I'm in uh, to get news on Southampton than it is on on, on the Dynamo. And it, I don't know. I think I think it. Uh, I'm a much more casual fan of the Dynamo. I'll watch them when they're on, um, but I'm not going out of my way to find news on them and things like that the way I do with uh, with Saints. So I, yeah, I think I think you're I think you're right. You mentioned in there that you know you do obviously you do the Saints fan podcast and you do another podcast. Um, I, I guess. What what kind of made you want to start the, the the Saints fans podcast? Well, because of the fact I worked in radio, I've always actually been interested in getting back into it at some point and doing a podcast. About two or three years ago, I listened to one of the other Southampton podcasts, and I enjoyed it, but I was completely honest, I didn't feel there was much personality with the show, and I thought as though I could offer something, not necessarily better, but offer something different. And because of the, we were looking to move here... I didn't really have the time, especially with a really young child at the time. I didn't really have time to do the podcast. Moved over to the US and watching Saints on the TV, not going to games. I felt I really missed it. So it really did kick me into gear to do a Saints fans podcast. And also, I felt as though a lot of people didn't really get my opinion and didn't really understand it fully because Twitter is such a there's such an issue with just a small amount of characters getting your point across. So that's why one of the reasons why I started it as well is so it allowed me to probably moan for 45 minutes every week as opposed to just on one tweet. <laughs> well, um, and one of the things that um, I, I kind of picked up because I listening to the past few episodes and, you know, I, I have this sick obsession where I have to listen to all of the saints podcasts. And so some weeks it's just like, that's all I do. I don't watch very much TV. I just listen. Um, but I, I enjoy it, but it, you know, I think the, the listenership of, of podcasts in general is not huge. I think there's one podcast in the United States that gets more listeners than all of the podcast downloads in the UK, uh, on a weekly basis. Uh, like Joe Rogan outdoes every podcast listener, uh, in, in the UK wow. each, each week, um, is what I heard. And that could, that could be wrong, but that's what I've heard <laughs> recently. Um, but you know, I think a lot of the people who listen to my show probably don't listen to yours. And I think that sometimes you, you get the, the, you get the wrong impression and people don't give you a sec, a, like not a second chance, but they don't ever kind of really listen to, to everything. And it, if you kind of look at what your kind of passion has been about, you know, you've done things that most people haven't done. And I think that passion just carries over to, to the team and that ambition carries over to the team. And I think, I think you can be frustrated maybe by, by, by the lack of it as it, as it shows, as it shows up. But you do another podcast, and I want to make sure we talk about that at least briefly. What is that podcast focused on, and, and how can people find that show? So the easiest way at the moment is to follow us. We've literally just started our own Twitter account, at EPL Show. And it's myself and a guy called Billy. Billy was actually on a Big Brother years ago. Uh, we made friends through actually working together randomly. And... He does a lot of sports gambling podcasts, wrestling podcasts, that type of thing. And he got asked to do a podcast on the Premier League, where we literally just talk about the Premier League. We talk about fantasy football and we talk about betting within the games. So we literally did our first show, what was it, about a week or so ago. And it works really well. We're two people that are both very opinionated. We often argue about millions of things outside of sport, politics, everything. <laughs> and 
he's a Man United fan. He actually came on my podcast a few weeks ago, and everyone said he was really good on that. So we just go through, and we did our first podcast, and we got pretty much every result right. And if people would have listened to the podcast and put money on our predictions, they would have won a lot of money. One of the main ones is I said, stick a lot of money on Stoke winning. <laughs> and I, I was right. Yeah. Unfortunately, I was right. Yeah. See, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know if I can make that prediction just because I, I don't, you know, I'm always going to be the guy that's, that's like, even if my, my, my mind says like, this is what, you know, it probably should be that way. I don't, I don't think I can say it. Um, I can't put money on us losing, even when I believe we're going to. Yeah. I still can't put money on us losing. All right, but I advised everyone else to do it, not me. <laughs> so, if, if people tune in there, they should expect to find some betting advice on on the Premier League specifically, right? Yes. So okay. we literally concentrate on the Premier League, and we're we've got quite a lot of knowledge on the Premier League. So we're we're pretty good at predicting results, and he actually has a a company that where people actually pay him a monthly subscription uh, for betting advice. Jesus, and people people make money from that. And I, yeah, I just go on and, and talk about the Premier League and give my predictions, fantasy football picks, that type of thing. Basically, it's quite good to um, follow my fantasy football picks. What you do is you do the opposite of what I do, <laughs> and that normally normally does well. So. Yes, it's good fun. So everyone, yeah, take a listen at EPL Show on Twitter, and then from there we'll start putting all of our links to the different downloads. That type. All right, I'll, we'll make sure we put that in the in the show notes and, and tweet that out uh, this week too. It's going to be every Wednesday. We're going to record it and put it out every Wednesday. Okay. All right. Um, and then you kind of said in your last show you were going to take a, a couple of weeks off of, of Saints, but um, I remember you and Mark talking specifically about Theo Walcott possibly looking for a place to go and looking, uh, you know, with the World Cup coming up, England qualifying finally. Uh, and then uh, he's not getting in the team at Arsenal, but if, maybe if he gets back in the team, he can he can get back in that World Cup squad for, for Russia. Um, what do you make of that, of the of the rumor that he, that, he's, that he could be possibly coming back to Saints and would you have him there? Well, the funny thing is, is we started the rumor actually on the podcast uh-huh. the one there wasn't any rumor before i just came out and said the one player i want saints to sign is theo walcott the funny thing is two days later it was in newspapers and everyone a few people commented on my twitter has someone been listening to your podcast and then making it into a rumor uh, for me i think it would be an absolutely perfect signing for us on the pitch off the pitch i think we'd we'd make money from shirt sales it would be a really interesting signing. Everyone would get excited behind it. I think it's an absolute no-brainer. And in regards to wages, that type of thing, sometimes you can make deals with these clubs, especially if he says, I want to join them. They sometimes, he can refuse to go anywhere else. And sometimes they'll pay some of the wage or he might take a wage reduction to come to us or we just pay the full wage and accept that that's going to, be what you have to pay to get that kind of player the people out there that say he's not that good i had an argument with someone on twitter and i went look how many goals he scored last year he scored more goals last year than we will probably score in the first half of this season he's a top quality player and for me i'd 100 be doing everything i could to sign him now if we get him is that like a that's not the number 10 right that's not that's not the attacking midfielder we need that that but he would be another piece maybe maybe he pushes Redmond out of the squad and Tadic slides over or something like that for me I'm okay playing Stephen Davis in the middle at the moment if we had two amazing wide players if you have like Mane for example out wide then we can play Stephen Davis in the middle because your free attacking options are interchanging and they're amazing at the moment we don't have that number 10 or the players out wide you get Theo Walcott and I think it completely transforms things and Yes, you still want an amazing number 10, but Theo Walcott or a number 10 is an absolute must. All right. I guess, you know, we still have another week before everything kind of goes over and we'll have to see what happens with that in, in January. Um, it'll be interesting to, to see if, if anything goes that way or if it just kind of dies down. And I, I'm actually, this is one of the things that now that I'm watching the Premier League more and paying really close attention, the transfer rumors never stop. And it's, it's almost annoying. Um but it, it, it's crazy. So I guess we're just going to have to wait it out. Same thing with the Van Dyke stuff. We'll just wait it out until January. And we'll see what happens. Um, but next weekend, we play we play Newcastle at home. Do you think we win that one? Or what's your, what's your advice on that? My heart says we'll win 2-1. My head says it will probably be 1-0. 
uh, I just can't see us winning a game at the moment. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we can we can scrape something out of it. But for me, I, I think it's all about putting in a decent performance, first of all, and then hope the result comes from that. Don't go out there hoping to win the game. Let's go out there and try and win it from the very beginning of the match. Just be proactive and see what happens. But I, I feel as though we have to win this game. But I'm still scared it's going to be 1-0. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm gonna. I, I hope. I hope that you know. Newcastle seems to be playing pretty well right now. They're not scoring a ton of goals either, but they seem to be going out and going after games. So we'll have to see kind of what happens. Hopefully the 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 recent history with with them at St Mary's uh, wins out and they 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 don't play don't play well. But. Exactly. They they get awful results coming. Not even just St Mary's when they come down to the Dell. Remember when we won quite a few games against them. They scored those two amazing goals. One of my earliest memories watching Southampton and. I remember us in the pouring rain beating them 4 0, and Mark Hughes scored his first goal for us. So we've had some great wins against Newcastle. So hopefully we'll have another one. All right. Um, I just have a few, a few real quick questions for you, and then I'll let you go because I know it's getting, it's getting, we're running out of time here. But um, uh, coffee or tea? Neither. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. Really? No, you don't, you don't, no caffeine. I did drink coffee or tea. <laughs> Unfortunately, I never liked either. Oh, Which man. is really embarrassing when you go over someone's house and they, especially in the UK, and you go over your girlfriend's house for the first time. And it's coffee or tea from the from the future mother-in-law or whatever. And it's yeah, I, I, do you have a squash? So yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't drink coffee or tea. Never have done. Just don't like either. Okay, all right, fair enough. Um, I had to make a shot of espresso right before we started because I was gonna, I'm, I was going to sleep, so I had to <laughs> wake myself up. Um, you said you play poker. Um, stud, Omaha, or Hold'em? Uh, Hold'em. I'm a no, I could play all games, but no no limit Hold'em is my game. Okay, that was another thing. Was it limit, pot limit, or no limit? So that, that, that is, that, I think that's the most fun. I think that is, uh, that's where it's at. Uh, you have a, I won't ask you for your favorite you know, spot to go play. Uh, cause that... no, it's fine. I, I play at Ocean's Eleven. Okay. Uh, in uh, in Carlsbad, it's a local one near to me. But I uh, I love going. I used to play a lot online, but obviously you can't do that here in the US. So, right, right, right. And I, I I enjoy going to Vegas and playing as well. Okay. When I was in college, I played a lot. Uh, that was you know ten years ago now. But uh, I had a uh, somebody backed me online, and so I played. That's kind of how I paid for college. Um, and then once oh, wow. once it got to the point where I, we got out of college, he actually decided to go to the army and be a photographer in the army, and so we had the you know we split up and all that stuff. But like. Then it went, then when it was my money, you know, all of a sudden, and it was like that's a huge difference when it's you know there was no risk for me before. Oh yeah. Um, so I, so, I think I'd be a much better player if I was backed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was oh, it was fantastic. Um, it was it was the it was a, it was a really really fantastic two or three years. The expectation was I had to play I had to play thirty five to forty hours a week, uh, which is a lot. And constantly, yeah. constantly moving sites and everything like that. So it's it's all good. But uh, that that was one thing I, I thought was interesting. I wanted to ask you so. Um, but but thank you for for doing this, and I don't want to take up you know, too much of your time. I know we've we've gone well over what we what, what I <laughs> did, but um, so it's been really good fun, and I'd love to get you on our show in the next uh, in the next few weeks as well. That would be great, or maybe later on in the season to vary it up a bit. Yeah, yeah, wh- whatever whatever works. I'm 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 willing to do to do whatever. But yeah, thank you so much for doing this, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. Brilliant, and uh, let's hope we get a winner new- against Newcastle. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, I'll talk to you later. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Matt. Cheers. Bye. And that was my interview with James George. You can follow him on Twitter at Mr. James George, and you can follow the podcast at Saints Fans Pod. There are also some other links in the show notes uh, to his other podcasts and things like that. Also, his co-host, Mark. Links to their Twitter profiles are all in the show notes, so be sure to check them out. And uh, this next interview with James Nash is about the Post to Post podcast. And the Post to Post podcast is a new general football podcast that is being run out of Southampton. There are some guys who are getting together to do this. Connor Dunford is one of them. He's been a guest on this show before. Uh, He's done some writing and things like that. And the reason that I'm having uh, James on here to talk about this is um, I've gotten a lot of messages and a lot of emails from people who say, thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing this podcast because it keeps me from having to listen to The Guardian or TalkSport or whatever it is. And it's not that those are necessarily bad, but there's a definitely a big team bias, a big media bias. Uh, and, and Saints don't normally get talked about um, if at all in the proper light. And so when I found out that these guys were getting together to do a podcast 
a general football podcast, not just about Southampton, uh, but it was coming from people who live in Southampton, who Connor is a Southampton fan. The other guys are not, uh, as you, as you, as you will hear. But, um, I think that it will maybe be a, a, a source where if you want to stay up to date with all the Premier League news and you don't want to listen to some of the bigger podcasts, maybe this will be a, a podcast you can enjoy and listen to and still support some of the, some of the people who live in the Southampton area. So, um, Hopefully you enjoy it. If not, I think I think James has plenty to offer anyway. So uh, here is my chat with James Nash. Uh, you can find all their Twitter profiles and things in the show notes. Uh, but the one they want you to follow is post to post with the number two post number two post underscore pod. Uh, that is the Twitter account for the podcast. So uh, here's my chat with James Nash, and I hope you enjoy it. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, James Nash, one of the hosts of the Post to Post podcast. Uh, we're here to talk a little bit about that podcast and what it is. Uh, so James, welcome to the show and thanks for taking the time to talk with us. Uh, thanks, Matt. Uh, no problem at all. How are you? Um, I'm well. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. My voice is a bit croaky because I'm, uh, I've been playing football this morning, screaming myself. So I'm okay. screaming at my team, sorry. So my throat's a bit sore, but other than that... I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm pretty good. That's all right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm still a bit sick from last week and I can't, I can't seem to quite kick it. And, uh, it didn't help yesterday going out and going and beer chasing and doing a bunch of stuff. So I'm a little worse for wear this morning, but it's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll okay. be all right. It's a, it's a Sunday. I think, yeah, it's a day of rest. You'll be, you'll be fine after a Sunday, I think. Yeah. Um, the one, the one thing I can't is not going to heal in a day is I decided, uh, you know, we, we were passing the brewery I wanted to go to and I decided to exit the van while we were still moving. We we're going fast, but. I thought I had it, and then I then I kind of went down to so my hand is a little chewed up, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> that was a bad choice. <laughs> uh, but you know, I'm the, uh, one of the only ones in my family that's ever gone to college, and like you know, why is it the teacher who's 32, who's older than the rest of us, is the one going? Like, yeah, I'm just going to exit the car while we're doing this, but whatever. Um, yeah, I, I, no understanding of physics. Let's just let's just jump out. Yeah, I'm not a, a, not a physics teacher, <laughs> but. Um, you and, and a couple other guys uh, from the Southampton area, you have decided to kind of go ahead with this this podcast, and it's the Post to Post podcast. Um, who who's going to be doing the show with you? And then there's four of you that are going to be kind of co-hosting it. Uh, yeah, so uh, there's going to be four of us. Uh, we've done our first episode last week, actually published on Wednesday, uh, covering the weekend prize football. Um, you've got uh, myself, James Nash. I'm a I'm actually a Manchester United fan, uh, living in Southampton, but um. I'll be covering those, you know, main points for Manchester United, but we'll all be having input on the main games anyway, regardless of who we support. Um, and then you've got Connor Dunford also. Uh, he's he's sort of uh, the main runner of the podcast and social media. Uh, we're actually recording out of his office as well. Uh, he's a Southampton fan and season ticket holder, and I've known him for many years. We lived together for a little while as well. Um, fun fact about him, uh, he's actually... He actually was a Liverpool supporter when he was younger, which I do rip him about, but he doesn't tell anyone that. And he says he's been a lifelong Southampton fan, but don't believe him. Oh. Um, but yeah, he'll, uh, he'll listen to this and laugh. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, he's, uh, he's saying through and through. I'll give him that. I'll give him that now. But yeah, I do rip him for that. Um, so yeah, we're doing it out of his uh, his office. And we've got uh, Chris Boyles to come in as well. Uh, Chris, he wasn't in the first show. It was just myself and Connor. Uh, he's a Chelsea fan, uh, very knowledgeable football fan. Um, great addition to the show as well. Really knows his stuff. And you've got Matt Blitter also, who's a West Ham fan. Um, goes to a lot of Hammers games, actually, when, he's ca- uh, when he can, to be fair, which for a journey driving into London from here is probably two and a half, three hours with a bit of traffic. So, you know, a good bit of commitment there from him, to be fair. And he's a uh, fun fact about him. He's one of the only people I know, as well as Connor, funnily enough, who has about a dozen different nicknames. Uh, so you'll hear me call him about five different things, I'm sure, if you listen to the podcast. Oh, all right. Which would be quite confusing for everyone. But, yeah, I'm sure we'll listeners <laughs> sure, sure will learn as we go along. So, yeah. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that you your listeners will pick up on and expect and, and know. It's just, it'll be Initially, it might be a little confusing, but all right. Um, yeah, it should be okay. And, and, and so the idea would be that all four of you kind of go there and you're going to go over, obviously, the teams that you support, but all, and then some of the other matches and things that are going on in just in the English uh, Premier League, or will it be uh, any championship stuff or anything outside of that? 
Uh, I think mainly we'll be looking at uh, Premier League games, uh, covering all points on all games. I mean, it's always quite relevant because one of my clubs is probably going to play a, a player team that's played this weekend. So it's always good to look in and, and see what's going on. But um, yeah, mostly Premier League. Um, we will cover some big championship games and lower league games also. Uh, I do tend to go and watch Eastleigh play, who are a local club in the National League. So that's uh, four divisions below the Premier League. So it might be a little bit about those for our uh, local listeners who get up to Eastleigh and watch them also. But yeah. I think covering world football, like, you know, bigger clubs, bigger points, talking points, I think we will get involved. But I would say mainly Premier League we're going to stick to, but who knows, it could change. All right. And, and and the reason I kind of wanted to talk to you guys about this is I've had several kind of emails and, and, and messages and things that say, you know, thank you for, for making your podcast because it, keeps us or keeps me from having to look at or listen to talk sport or, you know, some of the other kind of mainstream things that are out there. So when I heard that you guys were doing this and, and I talked to Connor about it a little bit, it seemed like a, like a good thing to kind of promote and that there, there is an option, even if you just want general kind of football, stay up to date with everything, not just Southampton. Um, this might be a place, a, a show for people to listen to. And the idea of it being a weekly schedule, like, I think that, I think that w- is good. So, uh, I just wanted to kind of answer a few questions with you, with you there, but, um, Kind of where, where did this idea for you guys to do this podcast come from? Um, well, Connor has been the main driver behind it. He brought it up a few weeks ago, um, sort of played around with the idea and who we could get in um, really to go on it. And we wanted to be, you know, I, I, as much as I am going to try not to be, I'm very biased towards Manchester United. Um, but I think having four supporters from four completely different teams is going to be quite interesting, especially when they play each other. Uh, I think it's going to be a bit of a fun conversation going on. But um, it's general coverage from the points of four people who I think, uh, myself and the other three guys also, very knowledgeable about uh, football in general. I like to think we're all good football players as well, you know, at low level anyway, so we're not really. But, you know, we like to think we know football. So hopefully if we, you know, come together and, and talk about everything that's going on, people can relate to that and hopefully enjoy it. And we'll see how we go from there, really. Um, I think Connor's been interested in football journalism for the last couple of years. I know he was doing some write-ups for an American website uh, up until quite recently, specifically for Southampton and uh-huh. um I think he just sort of got into it from that and really driven on and has got in touch with guys like yourself and uh, other podcasts to really get an idea of um, to get an idea of how to start and what to do and you know little bits like that which we can you know get off experienced uh, podcasters like yourself. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it's great. And Connor's actually I don't know if he told you he's been on this show uh, before as well. So uh, talking. Yes, about he did mention it. He did mention actually. Yeah. So if people are looking to get the show, where where can they find the show? Uh, so we're on all social media platforms. Um, we've got a website which is just post to post uh, uh, That's post with a two uh, number two, by the way. And then we've got um, a Twitter account which is under post to post underscore pod. And we're on Facebook as well as post to post podcasts. Um, and we've got our podcast hosted on iTunes and SoundCloud, which are under post to post podcast, uh, both themselves. So get hold of us on there if you've got any questions about the show or if you've got any comments to any of us. Uh, please just give us a message on either any of those platforms and we'll, uh, we'll reply to them as soon as we can. Um, be good to get some feedback as well from new listeners who, um, who just want to, you know, let us know what they think, whether we can improve in some areas. Uh, we'd be very open to feedback to, um, to see how people think we're doing and what we can do differently or better. Uh, that would be great. Yeah. All right. That sounds great. Uh, and we'll put the links to both the iTunes and SoundCloud and the website in the show notes, uh, for anybody who's interested. Uh, so you can just click on from there and the Twitter account as well. So, uh, James, thanks for, for doing anything and, uh, we, we appreciate, I appreciate you coming on the show and I, I'm, I'm glad that you guys are also, you know, uh, taking on this, this venture. I think it'll be good. Oh, thank you very much, Matt. Uh, pleasure. Thanks for having me. No problem. Cheers. And once again, that was James Nash, one of the co-hosts of the post to post podcast. Be sure to check it out. If you haven't done so already, the first episode is already up. The second episode will be out on Wednesday. I really enjoyed the first episode and I think that you will too. So be sure to give it a shot. Now, looking ahead to the weekend, we have a match with Newcastle. Newcastle generally doesn't play very well when they come down to the South Coast. Uh, A series of 3-1 and 4-0 defeats for them, uh, going back to St. Mary's and also the Dell. It hasn't really been a great time for them down South. But at the same time, there are other storylines here, as Rafa Benitez and uh, Pellegrino have worked together in the past. We're not scoring a ton of goals at this point. Rafa Benitez has the ability to kind of shut up shop and hold teams out. So it will be an interesting match. And to get a a Newcastle perspective on this and kind of also give us an idea of what's going on at their club uh, in terms of ownership and things like that um, is Alex Pacetti, one of the co-hosts of the Exile Geordies podcast. 
Alex was more than happy to, to help me out on semi-short notice, and uh, I really enjoyed talking with him. I hope this gives you some insight as to what to expect as, the, as Newcastle come into uh, St. Mary's this weekend and uh, take on Saints. We'd like to welcome to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Alex Paquetti, the host of the Exile Geordies. Uh, it's a podcast about Newcastle. You can find them on Twitter at NUFC underscore podcast. Alex, uh, thanks for joining me today to preview the, the match uh, coming up next week. And I realize we have some time between now and then, so a lot could happen. But pleasure to talk to you and pleasure to pleasure to meet you. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate you uh, bringing us on. No, no, my, my pleasure. And uh, I, I don't think we have any Newcastle fans listening to my podcast, but uh, you yeah. know, I, I think it's nice to get the perspective of uh, of the other team as we as we head into a match like this. Um, you guys have been on quite a wild ride. Uh, Southampton was on theirs previously as well. But if I can just ask, like, what what's going on with your club at the moment in terms of ownership and, and things like that? Yeah, so you, you kind of described it right. It's a wild ride. So it seems to always be something. Uh, it's never boring with Newcastle United. Um, and right now our owner is Mike Ashley and he is the owner of sportsdirect.com. So basically it seems as if he saw Newcastle United as a place to expand his brand and, and plaster sports direct all over the stadium and, uh, thought it would be a mid table club that would uh, bring in revenue for him and he would just turn a profit every year. Um, and in the premier league, you can't do that. And so he's had some growing pains and we've been relegated twice under him. So I think he's having some big regrets about buying the club in general. So I think at this point he's trying to find a way out, but he has made some loans to us. When, when he took over the club, the, the previous regimes had, had spent a lot of money fairly recklessly and it helped us compete. And we, you know, as you've seen in the nineties and the late nineties and even into the, some of the early two thousands under, Kevin Keegan, the club was successful uh, as far as results, but it was kind of bleeding finances. So um, so he helped stabilize the club in that aspect, but in every other aspect, it's been kind of a nightmare um, as far as management and, and the financial side of spending on players. Um, he's kind of kept the purse strings tight, and even, even the relations with the fans has deteriorated. So it, it kind of came to a breaking point at the end of the 20. 15-16 season and out of nowhere he brought in Rafa Benitez which I mean I, I still to this day can't believe he's here but basically <laughs> um, this, the club is somehow stabilized after uh, going down and, and I mean one of the most desperate times I mean if Benitez doesn't stay I mean look at what you know clubs like Aston Villa and Sunderland and Norwich I mean that were just in the Premier League they're struggling just to just to finish mid-table at this point in the championship. So uh, on the ownership front, I think Mike Ashley has saw a, an opportunity. He's got a solid manager. The wage uh, the wage bill is fairly low, um, and he's got an opportunity to just get out and recoup his losses and move on. So there is a woman by the name of Amanda Stavely, and she is sort of um, an investment mogul. Um, she she isn't she wouldn't be like the lead purchaser, but she helped finance the uh, Manchester City sale. Okay. And so so she was at the game last week against Liverpool. And so a lot of speculation is circling around. And apparently she met with um, Benitez and was, was in the uh, in the tunnel meeting some of the players and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're, we would be desperately awaiting Mike Ashley to, to sell the club to her or the investor uh, group that would be behind her. Okay. And, and so that's kind of where we're at right now. It's It's – I mean, it was just tough to get Mike Ashley to commit to spending $10 million in the transfer window. So to, to think of him negotiating a sale at this point, it could take years, but um, <laughs> I think it could be done by December. So we're kind of all up in the air, but we're just chomping at the bit to hear any sort of good news on that front. Yeah. And I, I mean, when, when you look at, at, at the club, when I was going to school in you know late 90s, early 2000s, Newcastle, even here in the States, was a, a team that was recognized. And, yeah. and since then it's kind of fallen by the wayside. But if you would have asked me in, in say 2006, when I'm not paying attention at all to, to soccer, you know, where is Newcastle? I would have said, you know, they got to be towards the top of, of the premier league. And, and that's not, you know, it hasn't been the case really since, since that time. But, you know, when you guys went down with Rafa, I was really surprised that Rafa stuck around. And then when you guys came back up, I wasn't that surprised, but 
there was reports circling at the beginning of the year that, that Rafa and Mike Ashley were having issues in terms of, you know, the money that was promised to be spent in the transfer market wasn't spent. And it's like, man, you're running the risk of running one of the best coaches in soccer of, of your team. What are you doing? And so it's, since we play you this weekend, I kind of wish that would have happened, but I'm also glad that, that Rafa's around because I think it's, it'll be good for your, your club and your fan base. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly, you said it exactly right. And that's, that was the issue is that Mike Ashley is a successful businessman and he makes decisions at Newcastle like he has no experience at all. Like Benitez is a man that can stabilize the club and bring them to new heights. I mean, uh, you look at the, the net worth of, of clubs like United and, and obviously that's not, you know, that's one of the things that the media always does is say, well, Newcastle fans are unrealistic or their supporters expect top four. But it's not that. It's the fact that, you know, every week we're, I mean, the club was relegated and, and that last game against Spurs at home won 5-1 and the crowd was loud as it, is, as it was the entire season serenading Rafa Benitez, please, please, please stay. So for, for Mike Ashley to um, be going back in his word or, or playing games with Rafa Benitez, who is just managing Real Madrid, it's like, you know, <laughs> have this golden opportunity to, to have the valuation of the club soar to play in Champions League. I mean, that that's what Benitez wants. I mean, he was right. at a, a, a conference a couple months ago and he was the only coach that wasn't uh, managing a Champions League side. I mean, this guy could walk away and, and manage a lot of top clubs. and It just shows that Ashley has no idea what he's doing. Yeah. And that's just so desperate uh, for someone to step in and, and, and treat Benitez the way it should be treated. So I, I would think that n- there's nothing more or nothing scarier for you guys than watching a top team fire their coach midseason and just go like, please, please, Rafa, don't go. Please, yeah. Rafa, don't go. <laughs> Um, but I mean, recently you guys were on a pretty good run there, three wins in a row. Then you lost away to Brighton, but managed that, that draw at home to LFC. And that, that kind of brings you into the match against, against Southampton. Um, you haven't had the greatest success going down South, uh, in recent history. You got to go all the way back to, I think, 2004 to find the last time you won down there. Um, but just in terms of on the field, do you, do you guys see yourselves as playing well right now? And are, you know, who should we watch out for when we, when we go into that match? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so at this point in the season, we have to say we're happy with the results. So uh, Benitez always comes out and he's a he's a master tactician and he's going to come out and have a specific game plan for every player every week. And and it's it's very calculated. And so even even the first week against Spurs, I felt like we were doing fairly well. And then the Shelby red card kind of <laughs> sent everything into a down spiral. So um and even with that, I mean, we lost that match and lost the next one to Huddersfield um, in their first home Premier League game. So the first two, it, it looked very disastrous. I mean, it was a breaking point. We hadn't brought in some of the players we wanted to in the transfer window. So we were wondering if Benitez might walk away. Um, and then to, to um, kind of settle back down and, and uh, find a way to, to win three in a row, that was huge. Um, and then the last two, um, the, the loss away to Brighton, I feel like those ones are going to happen. And, and it was sort of s- similar to the Huddersfield game where Benitez wants to set up and, and invite teams to come at them and then and then beat them on the counter right. um, with, with uh, the, the attacking pace of um, wingers like Matt Ritchie and Christian Atsu. Um, and so I guess if I would say um, overall, we've got to be happy with it. We've only allowed six goals in seven games. So. Um, defensively, we've been really organized. Our keeper isn't a, a household name, but Rob Elliott's done a decent job of, of shot stopping, and um, and we've had actually some some surprises. Um, and one of the guys I watch out for is a guy named Mikel Marino. Um, so he was a player at Borussia Dortmund that hadn't featured a lot for them, but Benitez kind of plucked him off of their squad, and so he's on a loan deal, but it becomes permanent for like six million after twenty appearances, and he looks phenomenal and I know that a lot of times you kind of overrate your own players but this guy I mean he's he's young he's barely played um top flight uh football but he just looks I mean his first touch his his vision his defensive acumen um he looks like a really good find for Benitez and he's playing alongside John Joe Shelby now and, and that pairing in in holding midfield has been really nice because for a while, we've kind of lacked creativity in the middle of the park, but those two, um, with their ability to pick up passes and even um, put balls into the box, um, that's the that's the one guy I would look out for most. And then, um, like I said, the wings of Matt Ritchie and Christian Atsu, um, they provide some pace and, and can deliver good balls into the box. 
Um, the weak spot at this point is is in the attacking third, where we're kind of starting Hasselu, which is not ideal. We got him for $5 million from, from Stoke City, where he wasn't playing. Um, and then Jose Perez is playing attacking mid, which his, his most natural position, I would say, is, is kind of playing second striker, where he doesn't have to create a lot, but he can use his first touch and, and uh, his finishing ability. But he just hasn't really found a spot. He's been on and off. Um, so there's definitely a lack of of um, production in the final third with, with our striker position and our attacking midfielder. But really everything starts at the back for us um, with defense and then, you know, some some breaking ability with uh, DeAndre Yedlin at right back and, and uh, Matt Ritchie overlapping with him. So so that's kind of where we're at. We're happy to be ninth in the table right now, but definitely need to figure out something in, in the way of who's going to score the goals. So Well, I mean, you're not, you're not alone in that. Uh, our our squad has not been scoring the most goals either, and we are really lacking. Uh, uh, I would say a creative number ten. We we're, we have kind of two holes. We don't have a winger who can score, and we don't have really a creative number ten. And I think um, I was talking with my last guest um, that even if you just fill one of those holes, you 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 bring a new dynamic to the team, and maybe you you, uh, you cause teams some problems. And now we kind of we 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 don't have that. They can kind of set up to to defend against what we can do. So. Um, I don't know. Coming into the game, do you do you imagine that Rafa will set up to to hit us on the counter and and kind of soak up the pressure and, and allow us to have the ball? Yeah, I, I really do think that um, he's been going with uh, Jamal Estelles and Kieran Clark at cent- center back, and that's really those guys emulate everything that Newcastle is right now. Just uh, gritty performances, uh, organized defensively, uh, lots of communication with the other players, and and it's really started defensively. Uh, Jamal Estelles just got a new six year contract. And he's just been a, a key man in our in our side. Scored actually a couple goals as well. Um, but really, what I expect is, especially Southampton way, is just a place where we kind of struggle. At. It's, it's probably the the farthest we travel, and um, it's just not been a nice place to go lately. Yeah. Um, and it's not even been like one nil losses. Uh, I know there's been some three ones and four nils. So, um, so I I definitely think Benitez would set up and and hope for a point. And then you know if you can nick something at the end, great. But but really, even back to right before Benitez came, when we played away matches, it was like, how many are we going to get beat by today? Mm-hmm. Um, with McLaren and, and John Carver at the end of that, uh, we just had no no strategy in most of those matches. So um, it's definitely a place where we'll just say, hey, let's go. Let's try to get a point and, and play solid and, and compact defense. And then if we can hit him on the counter, so be it. And And I guess that's where um, we'll wonder what Southampton, will they take it to us or, or realize that Benitez um, doesn't want possession and wants to hit you. So um, like the, the, the games that we've struggled is when we've tried to do that and Huddersfield and Brighton have kind of countered that by not allowing us to, to sit back. Well, I mean, I think we like to have the ball, but we yeah. struggle. If you guys are disciplined in your defense, and I imagine uh, any Rafa Benitez team is, um, we will struggle to break you down, uh, in my opinion. And, and I don't want to, back on my own team but that just seems to be something that we can't haven't been able to do this season and so you know we have two really good fullbacks in Cedric and Bertrand but they work best when they can get upfield quickly and overlap and I think I think Yedlin uh will help kind of cancel cancel him out with with his pace because I think he's gonna be able to kind of take on whatever winger we have uh over there and then the fullback as well so I hope he makes a mistake or something like that but I I I, that's just you know it's probably not gonna happen and that is a good point though because Yedlin does get forward a lot and relies on his pace to get back and defend. Uh, but there isn't, while we're very organized, there isn't the the top tier quality. So there's always the opportunity for, um, like last week, Kieran Clark had a, a just a terrible kick at the ball and, and gave up a chance to Daniel Sturridge. And he didn't score, but there's always that opportunity where if you pressure Newcastle, um, there's still some inexperience at the back. Lascelles hasn't played a, a full Premier League season as a starter. So there's definitely, and like I said, Mikel Marino is new to the Premier League. So there's definitely some spots where you could uh, break through um, if you're patient and you can and you can find that mistake. So all right, uh, there is some speculation that we'll be going with a, a new new formation. There's a lot of pressure on our manager to, to try something new up top and play two strikers. And if he does that, I think it'll be three five two. Um, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We can't we can't do that yet. But, but kind of based on everything we said. Uh, you have a prediction for the match uh, as to how you think it's going to go? Yeah. So if I had to, if I had to make a prediction, um, I'm still not 100% confident in our in our away form. I thought honestly, our two worst matches were against Brighton and Huddersfield, who we came up against, uh, came up with when we were promoted. Um, but I I see us 
maybe getting a goal, but I, I would say 2-1 to Southampton. Okay. Um, I just don't think a Benitez side is going to get shellacked, but I do think that uh, we'll have we'll, we'll take our take our licks against um, some teams, especially away from home. All right, I, I can I can see that. I, I'm going more for I'm going for a one-one. I don't I don't see us scoring multiple goals, and I and I think what will happen is we'll probably be pressing for a second and give up give up a goal to you guys after okay. after going. Up. That's kind of what I think, and I hope I'm wrong. Like I said, but you know you never know. Yeah. Um, but uh, Alex. Thank you for for joining us. Is there anything else you you would want to say before we wrap this up? Um, no, yeah. So, and if if these if anybody's listening and thinking about um, what the Newcastle fans are thinking about their club, we would like someday to be sort of a, a, a Southampton emulate where we have a strong academy and and um, make good decisions and sell players on for for more than we were, we brought them in. So. Um, we, we don't all think we should be challenging with United and City, but uh, we just like to be a, a Premier League team that, that has a go at it and, and has kind of builds from the ground up. So, you know, we, we like what you guys have done with your club um, and hope to, to be a, a mid-table club where we can um, have a go every once in a while, but, but also stay in the Premier League for more than a couple of years at a time. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, if anybody's interested... Um, you can find us on, on iTunes at uh, The Exile Jordies and, like you said, on Twitter at, at NUFC underscore podcast. Um, and, yeah, thanks for having us on. We'll hope maybe have you on for the uh, spring game. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds great, man. Whatever, 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 whatever works. Uh, it's, my, it's my pleasure, and it's nice to meet other uh, Premier League fans and, and have a chat. So thanks for coming on, and I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Matthew. And that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. I'd like to thank you all for listening, and I'd like to especially thank my guests for joining me, James George, James Nash, Alex Paquetti. Thank you for giving me your time and being willing to open up and talk about uh, what it is that we all do and love. So thank you. Their Twitter profiles and their links to their iTunes and things are in the show notes, so be sure to check out the show, subscribe, and uh, give their shows a shot and let them know what you think. Um, yeah, that pretty much does it for for this week. The one thing I, I did want to do is I, I mentioned on Twitter last last week that when I'm sick and I'm laying in bed, one of the things that I like to do is to uh, read some of the iTunes reviews because they make me feel a little bit better. Um, so I'd like to read one to you guys here. Um, this is from Ivan Webers and it was written uh, on iTunes and says, this is exactly what was missing for us Saints fans. I listen every week while running and it flies by. Very impressive that it is put together in the States and it shows that the Saints brand is growing with the other great sites and podcasts starting. It will help Saints grow. We are the hipster team. Uh, there's another one that says Matthew's podcasts are great. An absolute must, along with one other, of course, for all Saints fans to get their podcast fill. And that one is written by the guys over at the Saints FC podcast. That was John. And so a special thanks to everybody who has written iTunes reviews or other reviews for the show. Uh, I will read them from time to time because I do enjoy them. Um, but the Saints FC podcast this week had one of my all-time favorite podcasters on it. Uh, one of my, one of a really great football writer, uh, in Michael Cox. Uh, he's at zonal underscore marking. So if you haven't listened to that episode or you don't download that show, um, go listen to that one. That is a, a, a great source of um, tactical breakdown and things like that about Saints and England and everything else. So get over there, listen to it. I'm about three quarters of the way through it right now. And I'm, it's absolutely fantastic, but I had to put it away so I can finish this show. Um, so Make sure you do that. And uh, remember that you can always write a review for this show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Acast, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or wherever else that you get your podcast. If you don't do that, uh, please just share the show. Encourage others to do it. Word of mouth helps. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at SFCDELL underscore IVERY. Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. There is no underscore in the Facebook address. And with all that being said, I think that does it for this podcast. I hope that we uh, go into the weekend, we come out of the international break playing very, very well. Some things can happen between now and then in terms of injuries and things like that. Hopefully everybody comes back healthy. Looks like Shane Long might be hurt. Ryan Bertrand also uh, may have a a slight knock, so hopefully they come back better. And yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to the return of Premier League football, to the return of Saints. And um, until next time, remember that together, we march on.